Hello, listener. It's New Game Plus, your pixel-perfect podcast for all things gaming. I'm your host, Dan. And your co-host, Antonio. Hey guys, we have one hell of an episode. You may notice it's a little longer than usual, but there's a good reason for that, because... You know, we when we last left off with our friend Sean Bloom, he mentioned a guy named Jake Cosdall who went on to uh, find 17 big games and talked about like, you know, you should really try uh, getting him on the show. And lo and behold, we did. Yeah. <laughs> it was just that easy, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Again, like like recently, it's it really has just been a, a chain of. What if we just ask them to come on the podcast and like it's just been okay, sure. So yeah, today we got to talk to both Sean and Jake, talk to them about not only their time at uh, Nintendo Gameplay Counselors, but really got to talk about j- Jake's journey from being a video game fan to starting his own development company in Japan. Like, you do not want to miss this episode. And uh, you know what? I don't want to even keep on talking. Let's just get to the interview, guys. Exactly. We got we got some names to talk to. Hey guys, once again, I would love to welcome Sean Bloom back to the show. Uh, he's here with his friend and person he was plugging last time he was on, Jay Casdall, the uh, former Sega developer and the founder and CEO of 17-Bit Games. Correct, yeah. And you guys are both here because um, Sean was just talking about all sorts of stuff about what you guys, you know, all the the little shenanigans you got into back in your days as a uh, uh, gameplay com- counselors. Uh, I just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what, if, do you remember the first time I met you? Yeah, totally. This is just great. Like, Let's go start with that. Yeah. Like on, like literally they sat him on the phones with me. And mm-hmm. I was just like, I just finished training, which that, there's a picture of me in that, uh, in the show that you were in. There's like one moment of me in my training desk. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, I was like, wait, that's me. Holy shit. And I remember like the first thing they had me do, they're like, all right, you're going to go sit with Sean and he's going to show you how to do that stuff. And I was just like, ah. And and you were totally messing with me and scaring me and telling me all the stuff, dude. I was so intimidated. It was so hilarious. Wait, wait, Sean, you were messing with him. What were you doing to the poor guy? (laughs) No, I was probably just being like, he was teaching me pro level, like, Pro level, like how to mess with people, like hitting the mute button, like okay, what you're looking for is, and then they would like say it, and I hit the mute button just for a second, and the other guy would be like, oh, oh, oh. Actually, I think we actually talked about that last time because I was telling them a story about these kids that called up for like the Ghost and Goblins code, and I'd be like, okay, are you ready? Here we go. It's up that that that. And they're just like losing their shit because they're like, oh, it took us an hour to get through. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, well, you just take so many, well, you take so many phone calls after a while. It's just like you got to have some fun with some people sometimes. But, you got you to gotta spice it up a little sometimes. But I remember something I'll always remember and I'll always describe uh, you to people I'll say I'm, I never met anyone that was so into games like Jake was. Like when he sat on the phones with me, like there was just this instant connection. Like I wasn't the biggest gamer ever, but I, I loved video games. And what I loved is playing video games with awesome people. And so he was so into games. He would just be like, oh, do you hear that music? 
like, oh, look what they did here, you know? And I was just like, man, this is so much better playing with someone that's so into it. Cause like, it makes you just respect everything that much more, you know? And like when we played uh, Resident Evil at that- The original studio, one? On PlayStation. Mm. I didn't have a PlayStation and Jake came over in his little red Tercel. And uh, I had this studio that used my band used to practice in and didn't have any windows in it or anything. It was all just pitch black. Oh, no. And at the time, I had this really awesome, you had, like, huge carpet on the walls and stuff. Like, you could oh, yeah. So the it's sound. It's like this murder closet. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Scary stuff. Candy at the door. Puppy dogs. Come on inside. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyways, he brought that game. He brought it over and like we fired it up. And at the time, I had like this huge 32 inch like square screen TV. It was amazing. But uh, we fired it up and oh, I just remember you kept backing up into the corner more and more. And I was just like, man, this game is freaky. And, like, it, intense, it was man. super intense. I, I mean, imagine when a dog's like, finally... what is this? <laughs> Do you remember the audio from that game? Yes. Oh, that audio was beautiful. We, we actually had an episode where we showcased like, quote unquote, bad voice acting. And that was one of our key features there. Oh, that game? That was, I mean, that was like, you know, early on in the 3D games and like, you know, the, the production quality was through the roof compared to a lot of other stuff at the time. You know, that zombie, when you first come out of that corner, he's looking at you mm-hmm. and I was just like, oh. dude, I don't know if I have. When he looks up because he's chewing yeah. and you're oh, just like. Oh, yeah. And you, you get the, you get the close up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've always been such a uh, like game controls guy. Like I, I love games that let me just completely forget about everything else and be like literally one-to-one, like no barriers, mm-hmm. no rough edges. And Resident Evil is very much not that kind of game, right? It's like it's no. designed to make you feel uncomfortable and you're not really in control and these things are chasing you and you're like trying to turn left and he's turning right. Like the camera switches when you're not ready for it and you're just like, ah! I couldn't handle it, man. I was like, yeah, I think Sean, I think I gave the control to you because pretty much you played and I just watched. I was just like, oh, God, I'm <laughs> Yeah, and then I was freaked out. That game was oh, man. Just, like intense. Mm-hmm. I love that game. Uh, so, Jake, I, I want to ask you. <clears throat> oh, sorry. Um, so, you know, we we talked to Sean about his experience in um, getting into uh, Nintendo gameplay counseling. L- let's talk about yours. How did you kind of get into the job, and what were some of your experiences? Um, so, one of my best friends growing up lived across the street from me, Theron Benson. We did everything together, and. Uh, one day, his older sister came home. She's like, oh, yeah, I got a job, and blah, blah, blah. Like, I got a job at Nintendo. And I was like, just like Sean's wreck. I was like, what? Like, record I was like, what? She's like, yeah, Nintendo's just, you know, like 10 minutes from here. You didn't know that? I'm like, no. And there's jobs there? And she's like, yeah. So she was a consumer service, which is basically, like, you know, my AV cables aren't working out or my machine won't turn on. So like like the kind of less uh, glamorous side of the, the customer service experience. But I, I don't remember if I found that from her. It must have been from her, though. But she's like, yeah, there's like game counselors, too. And then you know, people play games and stuff. I was just like, what are you talking about? Like, I had just turned 16. I didn't even have my driver's license yet. And I made my friend drive me down there and, like, figure it all out. And we, I think, you got hired straight on as a, as a full-time employee, right? Like, you were, like, yeah. an away employee. We were What's all funny is I, I didn't have my driver's license either because uh, I had gotten it taken away. But... Um, I had to have a friend drive me to Nintendo. So the representation of me running down in a cartoon and busting through the door should have been me on the back of a Honda Shadow. But anyhow, go ahead. Sorry. I just thought that was yeah, funny. The, yeah, I, didn't, I got driven to work for a long time. They, uh, they, like, they directed me to this camp agency. I think it was called Volt up the street. 
And I went in there like, yep, and the same thing, right? like little tasks and you had to like kind of answer all the questions and stuff. And I kind of winged it, you know, like I knew a lot of it because it was mostly first party stuff. It was like, you know, Zelda and Mario and stuff like that. You're, you're telling me you didn't did what Sean did and wore sunglasses with the answers in front I of I had never heard that story before. That was amazing, yeah. <laughs> well, what was your reaction when you heard that story? I was just laughing. like, I, so, you know, I live in Kyoto and my good friends Dylan Cuthbert and Giles Goddard were also in the, the sixth uh, episode of that that thing. So I was like, yeah, I got to watch this game show. I love all this stuff. I had no idea that this whole Nintendo thing was going on with Sean or anything. I turned it on and he just popped up. I was like, Dude, how amazing is this? Like, like Whoa, whole, he grew, grew his mullets. <laughs> my, whole, my whole Nintendo experience was like really shaped around like being thrown in with Sean at the beginning and just kind of like, you know, I looked up to him. I was like, oh my God, he knows so much what he's doing. And I was like, I'm so scared. Like I was so, I remember when I was, was it a week or two weeks that I was like shattering with you? And then they yeah. take you off and they're like, all right, you're on your own now. I'm like, oh God, like I'm going to drift in the sea. It's like, I don't know, it's like a legend of, you know, like was it Ultima, the Legend of Scheherazade, like all these weird obtuse games and like people have these hardcore questions. You're just like, hold on one second, sir. I'm going to run over, you know, grab an expert. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah that, yeah, that that whole thing blew me away. Like it's just such a blast of the past. And it was funny because I was, when they were doing the video and they were walking around showing the different people, I'm like, I remember him. Oh, he's Llewellyn. Like, I remember him. I remember him. And then, like, I saw myself. I was like, okay, this is this is weird. And, like, no one believes it's me. Like, everyone's like, that, that's not you. Like, I was 16 years old. It was a long time ago. I looked different. <laughs> yeah, we we all looked a little different back then. <laughs> I remember you went to uh, the Nintendo World Tour thing. Yeah, you know what's you, like, funny? You, went so... off on tour and, like, you, you, like, you came back and your hair was, like, even longer and you were, like, all, like, yeah, man, I'm in California. So I had a uh, road. I was just, so I was in, in Salt Lake City, which was, I think, the first city that we went to. And they were, basically, I didn't have to, like, I didn't have any gas money to spend, you know, on gas because I wasn't driving anywhere. I was just shuttled everywhere and, and I didn't have to pay for food. I didn't have to pay for room and board or anything. So every ounce of money that I made that normally I would just be shelling out for lunch and gas and this and that, all of it was just like going in the bank. And then they gave me $275 a week to buy food. And I'm like, are you kidding me? 50 bucks and I'm eating like a king for a week at Taco Bell just down the street from Nintendo. So... I was just slapping money away on that tour and it was awesome. But anyways, long story short, Salt Lake City's first tour. And like, we went out to this bar and, cause you didn't have to be 21 or something or no, you couldn't even drink. What am I saying is Utah. I was just like, wait a minute. No. Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't even get a coffee after like, uh, before noon. But Anyways, we were here and uh, someone, um, some gals came up from a hair salon, I guess. And they were like, I still had like my mullet, you know, and they were just starting to do like hair weaving on people. And they were like, hey, your hair is so perfect because you have like just a, like the perfect amount of hair to weave in. Would you be interested at all in coming down and we'll weave in free extensions for you? But, you know, because we need practice. And I was like, well, where is it at? I'm only here for like a few days. And that it was like literally a couple blocks down from my hotel. And I just went down there like, uh, I don't know, it was like five o'clock, right? As they were kind of closing down. And they just whipped like three feet of hair. I was so into, you came back. It was like, like a couple months later. And I was like, what happened? Like your hair was like way long. Like it didn't happen. How long was he gone? It was in a, ponytail, in a ponytail. It would like literally 
go down into the my the, my pants, my waistline. Oh. But it was, I've never had long hair after that because like when they had to take them out, it was just like a rat's nest. It was horrible. <laughs> they literally just had to like shave around and stuff. That was the end of my mullet days. <laughs> yeah, it's for the best, I'm saying. You went Everybody out though. Back there. Do you look at that video of that and that, and that high scores? Uh, mm-hmm. Like 90% of, of dudes had mullets. That, that was the peak mullet season. I was just coming into my mullet as a young mulletee. in that video you'll see in that video you know like he's just starting to get the wings right down there you know like uh, it's getting in my so what's what's really funny is in that video and i didn't know who who was going to be in that video i didn't know gail tilden would be in that video i knew they were shooting someone else out here um but i also didn't know they would focus on jeff hansen and the guy that won the power fest so his first city was Salt Lake. That was the first city I went to. So I saw him like, you know, go like, wow, this little kid's so good. He didn't take it. And then the last city that he was in was the last city I was on. Oh, nice. So it just so happens like both of these episodes are, uh, you know, this, uh, the shots that they were taking from these were from, I was there watching. So I was like, wow. And they have no idea. I was going to tell the producers, I was like, do you realize, like, you lied, like, I was there. So, so Jake, uh, last time we talked with Sean, he talked about games that he knew, like, the back of his hand, you could easily, you know, give tips on top without even having to look at any guides. What were some of those games for you when you were doing your uh, rounds with uh, gameplay counseling? Um, well, you know, the, the good thing is you get a lot of the same questions. So, you know, even stuff that I hadn't played, like, after – you know, the answer, like, in 90% of the questions on any one game are, like, these 10 questions. And so after a while, you can kind of start to wing it. But then they're like, wait, is that the blue room or the red room? You're like, don't really recall, you know. But, um, I mean, when we started, it was, like, <clears throat> it's mostly the first party stuff. They, they really wanted you to nail. So mm-hmm. you know, all the Marios and Zeldas and all, you know, Faxanadu and Dragon mm-hmm. Warrior and, um, you know, all the rest of that kind of stuff. So, we, you know, you just kind of learned all that. I mean, we had to play those games through a bunch of times. But again, you're answering the same questions over and over. The toughest stuff was the game that you didn't know, and you had to kind of fake your way through it. And then there was, like, experts who you would go and get. Like, you know, uh, not Dennis Hensiker, but it was his son's name. Was it Dennis Hensiker who was, like, the ultimate guy? Uh, Dennis and then uh, Hans, uh, David. Dennis and yeah, David. Yeah, David was, was the son. Yeah. He was, were, like, yeah, Ultima. Like, oh, Ultima. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ultima. Yeah, no oh God, questions. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go down here and, and get this thing. And some of those games are so massive too, right? That you can't mm-hmm. really fit it all in. Like I was just kind of at the generation where the books. We also had our um, yes, you know, the big map books with all the color pen maps and hand drawn notes and all that kind of he stuff. He showed us uh, that yeah. map, and we were amazed by that relic. <laughs> Pretty intense, and like really, like they were really small, and like you know. You and know, he pulls it out again. Figured out. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe I didn't keep mine. I don't know where it is. I don't think I. I it this is actually it. not mine, but. If you were a good gameplay counselor, Oof. you had a guy for your legacy of the wizard calls. Mm. You know what? I got a guy. Let me uh, transfer you. Let me get my guy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he uh, mentioned well, we that was the game over. that uh, he just dreaded having to give tips for because it was just hard to remember. Like, oh, we're in this room and there's like, like uh, uh, uh. Those gray blocks. Yeah. A handful of those games had such just such density, you know, and like without being able to actually watch them, you're just like, you kind of guessed in and you know they were really good about teaching us to um, to sort of hold on. This is 
teaching us to not come at it too direct. You know, you want to like they've been working really hard. They've been on the on the line waiting for half an hour. And like, don't just give them the answer. Like, kind of like give them bits and pieces to kind of let them kind of come up with the answer themselves. They get way more excited. And so like that whole thing was like I thought was really interesting and fun. Like you know, kind of that was encouraging them. Like okay, so what would you do last? Well, I got the eye sword. Okay. And so when did you not see something that might be? Oh, oh no! Oh, it's okay. I need to go buy quick. You know. That was That's the best actually part, a great way to them do it. into really figuring is. it out on their own. Because, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. I would ask these kids that would call up and they would just go, how do I get here? How do I get here? How do I get here? And how do I get that? And I'm like, do you want me to just walk you through the game? Because your mom and dad just spent like 50 bucks on this. And like, I would think that they would want you to get some enjoyment out of it instead of just being like, you know, the guy they that jumps on answers. a bus at the beginning of the marathon and jumps off and goes, woo, I did it. <laughs> no, really, there's no personal satisfaction in that. They had strict rules about not letting people play along while you're doing it. Because, you know, half the time they would die or whatever. So you're like, okay, are you writing this down? Okay, yeah. <laughs> so the one time I got really busted, uh, this kid was playing it. <clears throat> I think it was Dragon Warrior. And I'm like, okay, you know, so I want you to write all this stuff down. I'm going to tell you how to get through this cave. He was stuck in whatever. And he's like, yeah, okay, okay. And I'm like, you writing this down, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, okay, you go two steps north and then you, you know, four steps west. He's like, okay, hold on. I could hear him go down the stairs. He comes back. Okay, okay, what's next? I'm like, you writing this down, right? He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. This goes on for like half an hour. And like every couple moves, he runs off and he's gone for like a minute and he comes back and I'm like, dude. And at some point he's just, he comes back and he's just like, um, I died. Can we start over? I'm just like, dude. And I hung up. <laughs> I you so up on him. <laughs> yeah. And, oh. uh, Tim, Tim, Tim Walker was my lead at the time. He came over. He's like, dude. Because they would listen in. You would get monitored. They would listen in. And, like once a week, they would listen for 10 minutes of your calls. And you would get regular reviews and stuff like that. And I took the job really seriously. And I was, you know, I tried to be the best I could. But once in a while, like, you just get pushed too far. And so this kid, they just hung up on him. And he's like, dude, you can never do that. I'm like, I know. But like, he broke all the rules. And I asked him, how he's like, I know. I listened to the whole call. He was totally wrong, but you, you fucked up. I'm a bad man. What, was there a game you dreaded getting calls for? Yeah, Magic Scheherazade. Um, the uh, Mighty Bomberman was tough. Um, there was the, uh, not Scheherazade, what's the one with the, it was on the, it was on the show, with like the thousand little rooms. Oh, um, that's Legacy of the Wizard. Legacy of the Wizard, that was the yeah. one, dude. Because there was just no, without actually... Just That's my number one. I came down a thousand times. Like, yeah, I was just like that. Really. It I seems like that was like a common thread out. among everyone who worked here. It's like, oh, no, it's a Legacy of the Wizard call. Like, yeah. if you was, were there, smart, was there any one person that was like, Legacy of the Wizard? Like, I got you. I got this. <laughs> there, I don't remember the person's name, but there was a couple people that... There was always a couple people that knew those games inside and out, but... If you were smart, you would have learned. Like, if you loved that game more than anything, you would have just learned that game inside and out and then just been, like, the resident expert that just took transfers all day and you're just like, boom, do this, do that, as you're playing your game, doing whatever you want, because it's just second nature, you know? Mm -hmm. That was, like, linked to the past with me at one point. It was just, like, I could be asleep and answer any question. And I was just like, just give me all those all day. What was yours, Jake? I, mean, I think the Zelda stuff, Zelda one was was good. You know, the, the Rumble Rumble, you know, I, the Rumble Rumble. No, what, what else makes that sound? Oh, he's hungry. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, God, I don't remember. It's been so goddamn long now. I do remember <laughs> you know? being like, 
so uh, I learned to multitask doing that job. I mean, you'd be like playing a game that you gave everybody an NES advantage. You'd be like playing some game, talking to some kid on the call, and like muting your thing every 30 seconds and talking to your friend who's on break and he's at your desk too. And so you're like, you know, you just learn to kind of like process all this data and kind of like boom, 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 boom. And every once in a while you'd like, you'd screw up and like think you hit the mute button, but you didn't. And like, you'd be, you know, you'd be backwards uh -oh. basically. You'd be talking to your friend when you think you're talking to the kid. So that led to all kind of hijinks. Mm -hmm. And I would have an earphone with music in one ear while I was doing it for the most and part. Was that, was that okay? <laughs> or was that something you had to hide? Well, that was something I did after I'd been doing it for years. But in the end, I would literally be playing a game on the little like 13 inch monitor, just kind of looking at your computer sometimes, you're playing your game. And then someone's literally at your desk going, hey, yeah, pasta pronto, Mario, you know, like get out there. And you're just like, yeah, okay, boop, 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 jamming out to a song. I cannot do that now. I like, I'm trying to like have music on in another room while I'm doing this. And it's like, what's going on? Back then I could just like, I was chewing gum and tying shoes and playing games all at the same time. It was great, man. I mean, I was 16 when I got that job and you know, I didn't have a lot of money and I was living at home. I had a beater car that was paid for. And you know, the, the money was pretty good. I was like eight fifty bucks, eight fifty an hour, something like that. It was like nineteen eighty nine. And I had Oh yeah, no, that I no, imagine that's really good. Yeah. No responsibilities. And then they have this giant library of games and like we really encourage you to play at least two games a week for free from this library. I was like, Okay, just taking them home, playing through everything. This well, awesome. wasn't that and a dream though? They encouraged you to play the games in their library? <laughs> Man. Look, mom, I'm supposed I mean, to for work. <laughs> Get off my back. You want me to you have play this games job? You know, at your desk too. So yeah, I mean, it was just game, 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 game. And that sort of led to my whole thing. I remember that, that guy, Llewellyn, had a, a Dragon Warrior uh, poster at his desk. And it wasn't one of the ones from, from like Nintendo Power or whatever. And I was like, where'd you get that? And he's like, dude, NX is right down the street. I'm like, NX is down the street? Are you kidding me? So I went down there one day. I think I got, I got my Super Famicom right when they came out in Japan. I spent my Christmas bonus from Nintendo America to buy like a $600 imported Super Famicom. And I got ActRaiser like a week after or something like that. Like Razor. Razor. So I just want to point this out for our listeners. This is NX before they merged with Square. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, a long time before that. This is oh, like, man. You know, the SNES days. And so ActRaiser, you know, the, the SNES wasn't coming out in the States for a while. And they kept insisting. Remember this, Sean? Super Nintendo or the Super Famicom is not coming out in North America. We're, hum you know, we're happy with the 8-bit machine. It's got a huge install base. You know, we have no plans to sort of migrate this. And like, you knew it was coming, but we weren't allowed to talk about it on the phone. People would be calling like, when's the Super Nintendo coming to America? And we're like, oh, it's not. It's not currently playing. Sorry. And they're like, you liar. I'm like, I know I'm not. <laughs> so wait, I didn't, know that was, I didn't know that was a thing. So back in the day when uh, in Super Famicom first came out in Japan, there was no official plans to bring it here to the U.S.? Well, they were afraid They were afraid it was going to crater sales for the NES, and they had a while to kind of ramp up and get it all prepped and stuff like that. So they just, they were like, yeah, tell everybody. And they, they didn't even tell us. They are like, we have no plans. So when people ask, this is, the, this is the line you give them, there are no currently any plans to, to bring the Super Nintendo to the United States. Wow. That's yeah, really interesting that's all... compared to, like, like, nowadays where it's like, yeah, no, PS5, it's coming in, like, half a year. Get yeah. ready. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think at the time, you know, the Nintendo was the first, like, uh, well, Atari 2600 was a, a, a pretty well-known system in the homes, but the, the NES was something that took over everything to the point Especially where after the crash. We, we, had, we had conversations at work and meetings where they were like, if someone calls up and they're referring to something that's not a Nintendo as a Nintendo, you need to correct them. Because when I ask for something to blow my nose, I'll say, give me a Kleenex. 
even though it's not a Kleenex. Yeah. It's a tissue. But the brand got overcome, you know? And so I think to answer the question, it's they, it was a whole new thing. Like all of a sudden they're like, oh my God, this rocket ship of money and games is just going, going, going. And all of a sudden they're like, why do we want to screw this up right now? Like, we don't know what's going to happen, you know? Let's, let's just keep this rocket ship going. And then enter Sega. And uh, all of a sudden it's like, wow, Golden Axe is pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So... So Sean teased this story like last last episode um, where you guys were caught buying a Genesis. Was, was that, was that, can we, can we elaborate on that? Do you remember that? I remember bits and pieces. I think you remember better than I do. Well, we went, so we were working, I think it was on a weekend and we went down to uh, Fred Myers Fred on 148th. You had a Genesis. You brought it over to my house and I'm, and I was just like, oh, I got to have this 16-bit. Oh. So I go, dude, let's go get me a Genesis. And do you remember that? We went down there, and Dane Emerson was standing right behind us. He goes, what did he say? Uh, he goes, oh, so getting a Genesis, huh? <laughs> and, like, we turn I around. That joke. Like, oh. <laughs> I was just, like, petrified with fear. And we're looking at each other. And he goes, it's okay. I have one. <laughs> so Dan yeah, he, had been my uh he'd been one of the two he'd been like the good cop him and gar lindstrom when i when i interviewed there they were like the good cop bad cop guys it sort of really like i was so, so scared it was like my first real job interview and, and he was being like nice and friendly and then yeah and then gar was kind of being the big scary guy and dane ends up turns out he uh his cousin worked at video games at my first real production job dominic meister and Dominic's been one of my best friends for years now. And I was like, this is so weird. Like, Dane is your cousin? Like, this is like this, this big guardian sort of entry barrier guy in my mind's eye. Uh, so he's growing on in Denizel. How did a bad cop work when they were being interviewed for a Nintendo? I'm curious now. Well, they were like, you know, they were grilling you. Like, are you, are you really ready to be a game counselor? Are you really ready to put on that hat and come in here this, and, like, you know, you walk people through this through, stuff? Did you have to do this through Bolt? Like you went into Bolt and they interviewed you? I never heard of Bolt did Bolt had a paper test. It okay. was like a quick paper test. And then I went in and, you know, like in the lunchroom there, in the cafe, I remember sitting down at one of those little tables with both those guys. And they both kind of just grilled me before I got the actual uh, position. No way. Huh. I, I just passed the test, you know. Like, I think you saw it. I did really good on we it. Had just, but, uh, yeah, we had just switched over I didn't have to, to do like, that. They were hiring full time, and then I think they got to a point where they're like, "Okay, we need to hire a temp agency to sort of like weed out people, and they can kind of like deal with a bunch of that details." And so, like, you would get you came in as a temp, and then you would get hired on as a full time employee. Like, I, I think like maybe five months later, or something like that. I got hired on as a full NOA employee with my actual badge and stuff like that. Before that, you just had like a temp card, and you weren't like really in the system so much. I think know? I was straight full time then. I think you did, yeah. So I think the takeaway from that is, if that was if Sean was the one to do that, they would have checked the sunglasses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell us about Zelda. <laughs> uh, hold on. Yeah, the uh, the uh, you know going down to NX, uh, asking. I was I was stuck in Akron, and it was all in Japanese. I didn't read any Japanese, and and I was like, you know, someone there is gonna have an answer. And so I met this guy, Rob Gerald, and he was the single game counselor. There. They had one game counselor for the whole thing, and there was only about five employees in NX America at the time. Like, yeah. you know, the accountants, the uh, the president, uh, you know, sort of production manager. Um, 
And so I was like, oh God, I want to work here so bad. Because the, the boss was Japanese and they had all like the Femitsu magazine, like a bunch of Japanese stuff around the office. I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. So I went back in and asked for a job uh, like every couple months for like a year and a half, maybe even longer than that. And were you and still working finally, for Nintendo at the time? Uh, I was. And then I think after I quit Nintendo even, I was going down there and trying to get a job there. And then one day, finally, I went in there and he's like, dude, I got bumped up to you know, like junior producer and we're doing some internal development. It's like, so we do need someone to re replace me as a game counselor. Like, oh. So I took that <laughs> job and uh, I was there for about a, over a year or two. Um, and so that was super cool. It was totally different than working at Nintendo because it was such a small operation. I was like, I had my own little office and I was just sitting back there by myself playing games. I had no one to go ask. I mean, Rob knew every single game backwards and forwards, but he was like busy a lot of times. But I feel like, Dragon Warrior 3, how do you beat the last boss? Like, I don't remember at all. But uh, yeah, that, that sort of led to a bunch of stuff. I was also working at Irem, it was also in the area. So I was doing playtesting at Irem, playtesting like arcade games and stuff, stuff they wanted to bring over. Uh, yeah, Nintendo was like a big deal back then, that whole, that whole area. And then our roommate, Rob's old roommate, I moved in with Rob, his old roommate was working at Square, which is also down the street. And we were doing like illegal ROM swaps because you would like download the ROMs of the latest, you know, the latest English versions of Whoa. the games overnight to these little ROM cards. And we would we would like get them and then you'd play them and be looking for you know english mistakes and stuff like that doing qa stuff but we'd swap them so i got secret of mana like before it was even announced anywhere like i'd never heard of it and he was like yeah you should try this one it's really cool and it's just like this awesome like the memory things in the green card and uh, i almost finished the game i was super into it and there was no one to call there was no guidebooks no anything i had to just like kind of manually force it forever it took me a long time to beat it and then i had a party at my house and you had to grab these things by the side of the circuit board. You can't touch the, you know, of the memory things that are stuck on. And so someone just grabbed it and pulled it out and put it in Street Fighter or something like that and just wiped all my data. So I still to this day, I never finished Secret of Man. That was one of my, one of my dark uh, Oh, regrets. no. You know what's That's, funny about ROM yeah. games is one of the desks that I sat at, remember we would do roving? Where you'd come in and they would just go, okay, we've got a desk for four hours here. Just go and sit. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. So I, on well, on Sundays, my assigned desk was um, this guy, Brian Johnston, and I would always sit at his desk and he did product testing on games. And so you remember the little small flap, large flap, lift up things yeah, at our yeah. desk? Yeah. And you just take like a strong dick pin and just, just a little bit and you can pop that latch. Oh man, I, every Sunday I just played ROM games and it was probably a stupid move because, you know, like everyone knows, like, that's not a game I can get. <laughs> and I'm sitting there like, eh, Silver Surfer on the NES. Oh. But yeah, but I did play a lot of ROM games that way. Because he just left them up there. Wow, I didn't know that was a thing that they did back then where you actually just had the ROMs. Wow. Well, I mean, everything was coming through them, you know, like all the, uh, the whole, I mean, they call it R&D, but it wasn't really R&D. It was basically just people playing uh, content, evaluating it for, for release in the West, uh, you know, doing all the QA stuff on it, uh, checking all the English, you know, kind of all the, the updated text and stuff like that. So there was all kinds of stuff coming through there. And then a lot of that stuff, they would farm out to senior game counselors and stuff like that. And they're like, okay, you know, you need to, to play through this stuff and, and look at this and, um, I believe I a bunch uh, of stuff that never shipped that you know you'd see people playing. I, I, Sean, I believe you were talking about that before as well. Like where sometimes they would pull you aside and be like, "Like, okay, this is what you're doing for this week. Is you're playing this game and letting us know, like, how is this?" Well, that was product testing. Uh, 
So there was the R and D guys that were kind of more like, uh, well, it turned into the treehouse is what it turned into. And then the treehouse would bring people in on projects. And that's when I, I think I was talking about one of my best experiences in my entire eight years at Nintendo was getting to come to work for like three months straight. And all I had to do was play Super Mario 64 all day, eight hours a day. That was my job. And it wasn't even out. The system wasn't out. And I was just like, that game to this day is one of my favorite games ever. I'm playing it again right now. Yeah, I was actually yeah, with, with this is actually really well timed because at the at the time of recording, uh, the 3D All Stars just came out and like everyone's clamoring for it. I just saw uh, uh, an ad for that, and my son was just telling me the other day he's about to turn 18, and he uh, he just told me the other day he's like, Dad, I want to switch really bad. <laughs> <laughs> like, I got some games I need to play. Mm-hmm. Like, cool. uh, you ever heard of this Mario 64? <laughs> yeah. What is that lame crap? That I think my, uh, my highlight at, at that was my ex-lead. Uh, maybe I shouldn't even name names. But my, my lead moved into that department. And it was right when the Super Famicom was like announced i guess in japan like agm had a couple pictures of it with like the orange buttons and stuff and everybody was like freaking out i remember like the whole call center everybody was just like, ah, like look at this thing. and uh and i was like you know the, the the nerdiest nerd of all for all this kind of stuff and my lead one day came back over my desk and he's like what time do you get up and i was like eight he's like you want to swing by r&d and check out some cool stuff i was like uh-huh <laughs> and he took me back there i'd never been back there before and he like you know had a key card let me in and they had like pre-launch Super Famicoms, like I don't know, 20 of them maybe. And so like these groups of people were playing F-Zero, Pilot Wings and Super Mario World and the lights were all down in there and it was like all these colors and lights. And I remember just like almost having a fucking stroke. I was just like, oh my God. Like I remember like F-Zero like zoomed in on the car and I got behind him and I was like, I couldn't even handle it, man. I was just like, that was probably the, the, the nerdiest moment of joy of my entire life, I think. Well, it sounds like your time at Nintendo just really solidified that love for video games and to the point where not just you, you didn't want to be a counselor, you didn't want to be a, like a tester, but you ended up developing for the, you jump ship to the rival company, Sega. Can you kind of, you know, talk about how that happened? Yeah. Um, so uh, when I was at NX, um, I was, I I'd taken a year off of college and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And I really liked video games and stuff like that, but I didn't really know, you know, how, it seems so far off, like everything was coming out of Japan and you know, I was like, how, how would you possibly ever make a job doing this stuff? And so my roommate, Rob from NX, whose job I took over, he moved into a role of sort of being a producer um, with a local studio making uh, King Arthur, Knights of the Round Table something. Hmm. I don't even remember what the game it was, but it was locally produced. So they were doing it in Seattle there. And so he knew that I liked to draw and stuff like that. So I would draw in all my spare time. He would come in and be like, you know, show me like these sprite animation lists and stuff like that. And I was like, someone in this city is sitting around making video games and like they're getting paid and it's a job and it's a thing. And I like to draw and I like games. And so I finally put it together and I went to art school in Seattle. And um, I think that led to a year in animation school up in Vancouver. And Sean actually did the soundtrack for my my final graduation film. Do you still have that? I'm sure I do somewhere. I think I have a um, I have got to see that. tape somewhere. Uh, yeah, I, I need to watch it too. I'll have to have it like, you know, digitized and moved over, but I still have it somewhere. Um, anyways, I graduated from the film school and uh, that same friend of mine uh, was running the studio. So Dane and, and Paul Lang and Brian Johnson were three guys, were ex-game counselors. They'd started their own development studio. 
in uh, right outside of Nintendo headquarters in Redmond. And so they took me on and I uh, was working there and they were kind of between contracts and it was a really scrappy crew and it was a great time, but it was like super fraternity, like just like dirty pizza boxes and beer cans and shit. But it was like, I was like, yes, man, this is so awesome to play games, playing Doom. I think the Quake demo came out during that time and they like shut wow. everything down. Um, but then Rob had moved from Enix because the Enix kind of closed down and changed their gears. I think it was maybe when they merged, I don't remember. But uh, he got a job at this big corporate studio down the street called Boss Game Studios, which was like a big, you know, heavily funded by IT money, sort of big proper studio with, you know, like 50, 60 employees or something like that. And so uh, I got a job there and that was like a real production job. So I was there for a couple of years. I worked on Spider and um, uh, Twisted I came and met you there a couple times for lunch. Yeah, I remember. Uh, and so I, I had gone to college in Japan for a semester in the spring of 93. And I think right after that's when I got the job at, uh, at NX. So I knew I liked Japan and I could speak a little bit of Japanese by then. And I was like super into all this kind of stuff. And uh, I, I had gone back a couple times to visit. And so I had all these toys at my desk. I had like Sega, like Street Fighter, like Virtual Fighter dolls and Street Fighter dolls and like all these things, Yoshi's Island, like Japanese stuffed animals and like all this kind of stuff at my desk. And uh, this one day, this guy came in who was teaching us the new version of uh, Alias Power Animator. So he would sit down for like an hour or two with each artist and kind of walk them through some of the new features and stuff like that. So he sits down with me and he's like, wow, you got a lot of, you got a lot of Sega toys here. And I was like, yeah, dude, I, I love Sega. I love, I love games, I love arcade games. He's like, yeah, I used to work at, at Sega um, in Japan. And I was like, what? You, you, like, he was just like this regular white dude, you know? And I was like, you did what? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I was there for years. It was great. Uh, I worked with this guy, Tessie Mizuguchi, and I had just finished reading, and I was, I've always loved Edge Magazine. And Edge Magazine had just had a huge profile, big expose on Tessie Mizuguchi, who did Sega Rally, which I played the shit out of in college. I loved that game. And so uh, I, I just couldn't, I was like, wait, what? You know him? You work with him? He's like, yeah, yeah, he's actually coming to E3 in a couple of weeks if you want to go meet him. And so E3, I was just a staff artist. I had no like need to go there unless they were like to choose you to go, uh, you know, work the flow and show the demo the game or whatever. So I took vacation time to go down there and meet him. And I met him, and he was amazing. We had a great time. He totally hit it off. And he's like, "You should come. Uh, you should come check out the new studio I'm building." He was like, "We didn't say he was making his own new brand. He was hiring for it." He's like, "You should come check it out." So I had taken all my vacation for this week down in Atlanta for the for E3, and I came back and I told my boss, I was like. I'm really sorry. I just came back from a week of vacation, but I really, 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 really need another week of vacation. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, you can find me if you have to, but I have to go. So I, I finally got the time off and I went to Japan and I got to meet a bunch of people right when he was building the new studio and everything like that. And, uh, and then he offered me the job and I couldn't believe it. And uh, I came back and it took me a long time to get my visa. And I fucked up. I told one friend at work, who was a big rally racing fan. I was like, dude, I got a job. I'm going to be moving to Japan. I'm going to work with a guy who did Sega Rally. I was like, don't tell anybody. And the next day, the whole team, everybody knew. Oh. And, oh. and my boss called me in. He's like, hey, uh, I heard you got a job at Sega Japan. I was like, hey, man, it's not soon. It's going to be a while. So like, don't worry about it. He's like, yeah, but you're done here. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, like you're, uh, you're incredibly fired. Yeah, you're, you're out of here. So I was just like, fuck, I was like out of my butt. I didn't have a job. And then I didn't know when I was leaving, so I didn't really get another job. Because I thought it might be like a month or two. It turned up into like being six months. So that was a Ooh. long, a long, brutal mm. haul. But yeah, I got to go to Sega and I, and I had a great time. It was, you know, some of the best times in my life. And uh, worked on Space Channel 5 and Res and um, a bunch wow. of other weird kind of prototype things that never shipped. And I just had an amazing time. And, you know, that's when I really decided I wanted to, to stay there longer. 
but uh, the team that I was on kind of fell apart. Uh, Sonic team basically took over our group and I've never been a Sonic fan. I didn't want to work on Sonic the Hedgehog. So I went back to art school again in LA and then moved on to uh, EA Los Angeles, was there for a while. And then uh, back up to Seattle where I was an art director at Zombie. And that's when I decided to make my own company because I wanted to go back to Japan. I've been trying to get jobs back at Japanese studios, but the pay was low, the hours were long. You didn't have a lot of creative control. And I was like, eh, I kind of want to do things my own way at this point. And uh, so I decided to make my own studio and just move over here. So that's and that's how 17-bit games got, got to start? Yeah. Man. Um, and how did you get that? And how did you manage to, like, you know, locate in Japan? Like, obviously, you were, you were in the States when you had the idea. So how did that come about? Uh, so my wife is Japanese. We met when I was working at Sega. Uh, we went back to the States for 11 years. And then, um, like, like I said, I always wanted to go back. As soon as, like, once I came back to the States, I was like, dude, you fucked up. Like, I'm, I'm super bored here. Like, Japan is like this, you know, heroin addiction with, like, all the weirdness and all the fun, cool stuff. Like, you just, you know, it's really hard to, to get over it once you sort of got that in your blood. Antonio's so, been there. He can he can attest to that. Can, can confirm. <laughs> yeah. I want to go back. So I, I, I was as bad as anybody. I was really miserable. So I was just like, how do I do this? How do I do this? And so my wife is from Tokyo and she hates the big city. It's like super crowded and intense. And I loved it. I thought Tokyo was fantastic, but it's not easy to live there. It's like, it's very demanding. It's kind of like living in Manhattan or something. It's very like, it's got its own rules. So she was like, nope, I'm never going back there. And she wanted to move out in the middle of nowhere in the countryside. And I was like, I can't, I love visiting the countryside, but I can't live out there. Like I need, I need that rush. And so we finally uh, visited Kyoto and Kyoto turned out to be like perfect. It's like, big city but it's also right next to the to the country like it's a lot cheaper it's a lot easier to get around you don't need to take the train ride your bike uh and then nintendo's here and so like you know i got a chance to meet all these cool uh you know old school nintendo guys and kind of start to hang out with these guys and just like you know totally fanboy out and nerd out did, did you ever uh, meet miyamoto so i haven't met miyamoto but i'm friends with anuma san i've been out with him many times um sakamoto san the, the metroid producer is super cool guy we go out with him sometimes um yeah, I mean, a bunch of these dudes, they're still just, you know, doing their jobs and, and doing their thing. Um, but yeah, going out with Miyamoto is, is my dream someday. I mean, again, after all this shit goes away. I mean, like, you know, Sean had nothing but nice things to say about you when he mentioned 70 bit games. And uh, I actually, I, I, it took me a while to remember the name. Like, why is that same similar? Then he mentioned Galaxy. Like, oh, I really like that game. That was like that old school anime. Like, oh, that's them? <laughs> so. Man, um, it's really amazing that uh, it's so amazing. Like this time, Nintendo kind of exposed, like kind of connects so many big names in the industry. And at the time, it was for a lot of people. It was just people playing games and advising people on it. It's like it's weird how that had a ripple effect. Well, I think I think a lot of people got really you know inspired by that. Um, a lot of people moved on into games in you know or your jobs in games and production and stuff like that. Um, but it was just a really special time. I mean, it was a really cool moment in gaming history. And, you know, those people were all there for the right reason. I mean, look, yeah, it was just like an after school job for a lot of high school. But, it, you know, it ended up being just like, like, what's a cooler job than that? Like, can you think of anything that would be a better job than, oh, yeah, I get paid to play video games and I get this way cool stuff before it comes out. And my job is literally sitting around. I'm, I mean, Sean has said this multiple times. It's, it's a rock star job, you know? It is. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People was... still don't believe it. You know, I, I got to tell my Japanese friends here because like they always had guidebooks here. Japan always was like, you can go anywhere and just get like a guidebook that was like a little book that kind of took you through the whole game. We didn't really have much of that. Like Nintendo Power started doing some of those and, you know, it became a thing. But early on, it just wasn't a thing. So I tell my friends, I was like, yeah, my job was literally to play games and then teach people how 
to play the games. And they would call Nintendo headquarters, literally, and ask for a professional to walk them through how to play this game. And they're just like, that doesn't even make any sense, because they didn't ever have anything like that out here. It was always just the books and stuff like that. Uh, Sean, you were about to say something? Oh, I, well, I was just going to say, you know, I remember the, kind of getting back into some games where I actually got stuck. And I'm like, hey, what do I do? <laughs> you know, the gameplay counselors are gone. And I'm like, I guess we just go on the internet now and YouTube it, you know? And so what's funny is I'm watching YouTube videos going, just let me ask the question. <laughs> I'm trying to have to watch the whole battle tank sequence to see where I turned wrong on Battlefield 4. I'm like, <sighs> but that's what my son's growing up with, you know? He's just got his iPod there and he's, okay, now I need to do this. But, you know, my son and I had so much fun playing Skulls of the Shogun. Yes. Because it's, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are, like how you don't have to be like the most skilled controller operator, you know, you just have to have a mind, you know, and oh God, that was such a great game to play with him. Such Thanks, a great man. game. I, it was such a great game to make. And before I had the AI, because the AI was, you know, took a while to get it all tuned and ready. So before that, I was just fighting against my wife and we would play every night and have these intense, like hardcore battles. I was like, okay, this is something, man. This is really fun. Like it's engaging. She's not like a huge gamer at all. But she would get. She got really good at it. So we'd have these really intense kind of back and forth battles. It's like, okay, this is this is going to work. It's a, you have to plan. Like there is a lot of planning that goes into that game. But it's, and but in a way, it's simple planning. But it's yeah, very. It's, very it's, it's meant to be light. You know, I love the quick turn-based strategy games, and I, I I've always kind of bounced off the really dense, thick PC centric ones. To me, it was all about Advance Wars. And the more I was playing Advance Wars, the more I was playing like the short mini, like the little tiny maps. And it's just like super intense right from the get-go. It's just like this back and forth kind of thing. And I was just like, okay, there's a real beautiful kind of quick, fast-paced strategy thing that I'm super into here. And like, how can we take that to the next notch? Uh, Antonio, do you have any questions? To, uh, no. <clears throat> uh, honestly, you, you kind of fielded all the questions that I had about like the, the background with how, how did his time with Sega get started and everything. Um, come, 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 come back to me a little bit. And ask a question for you, and I'll, I'll try and come up with one. Well, no, it's just like, uh, yeah. When I was on the, on, the, on the floor with, with Sean, uh, you know, again, being my first job, my first corporate job, like, you know, there's like all these rules, and it's like this big machine moving with all this stuff, and there's all these laws and rules, and I was just like, I'm totally out of, you know, fish out of water. Sean totally took me under his wing. We were like good buddies, like right away. And I remember like, whenever we were downtime, I was like, okay, tell me like crazy stories. Like, what do I do in a situation like this? What do I do like situations like this? <laughs> How do you juice the quarterback in Tecmo Bowl? <laughs> juice him, because I'd be mashing the buttons. <laughs> oh, you know what? I, I I got one. So if there's a if there if there was a retro game, because obviously all of us we love we love the old school. We all have a, a a different love for different games in the old school. But if there's one game that you could kind of erase from your mind and have a fresh experience and play it from the beginning, what would it be? You can answer this one, both of you guys. Yeah, please answer this. You know, it's a good question when they had to take some time to think about it. (laughs) I think Uh, um, it it depends on the, like, would it go back to, uh, like, going back to that age? Like, you know, if you were to, like, you would have to kind of experience it at that time, right? True. Yeah. So let's let's say you, you go back to that time right before you put the the cartridge in for the first time so you could just re-experience it 
I think my favorite game ever, like the most amazing experience is tight. It's between Mario 64 and the original Legend of Zelda, but I would probably go with Zelda. Like I was so into that game. I love that game so much. And like there had been nothing like it at the time. And it was just like full of like, what, what, what is this? How are these systems working? What is going on? What am I supposed to do? And I spent, I spent the whole summer just like glued to that game. So, and I think that's the one that kind of really kickstarted a bunch of my, my weird kind of passions for this stuff is really, like I love Mario Brothers, but that game was probably the one. I think for me, uh, Super Mario 64 will always be definitely one of my top ones because it was like you're experiencing this whole new level of system and game that no one's ever seen yet. And you're experiencing it eight hours a day for months on end. So that game will always, always, always hold an awesome place in my heart. As far as um, games playing with my friends, probably rock and roll racing. Yeah, that game on the SNES. Tarquin lights him up. Snake's going the wrong way. Jake looks lost out there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, we had this whole point. So you would earn points as you won races, and a certain amount of points per you know, uh, you know, placement. But my studio at my mom's house that we played Resident Evil in, Jake. Uh, I had switched it around by then a little bit and it had uh, that same little couch that I had in there, that little two-seater couch. And then it had this just shit chair, like the worst chair ever. It hurt to sit in it. Like you would just rather stand. But we would play and you would have to get a certain number of points to be on the couch. And if you can't do it, then <laughs> the penalty you chair. take the shit chair. I don't know. Did you ever meet my friend Zeke? Um, not sure if you did or not, but I remember one night playing with him and he was pissed because he just was losing every race. And so he was in the shit chair and he just went inside the house and he grabbed like all these blankets and pillows and everything. And he just made this huge mountain on top of the chair. And he was just like, yeah, bitches, look who's, look who's got it good now. (laughs) This is my my throne now. But that was, that was definitely my, like. I mean, a lot of people had Mario Kart, and I love Mario Kart, but rock and roll racing to me. And then as far as uh, the next game, like, after I was married and I had, like, at least one kid, uh, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Vegas 2 came out, and, man, Mm. I was immersed. Like, I had the headphones on and the flat panel right in front of me, and I was just like you got my six, you got my six. Like it was, I was into that game so hardcore. And I just found a copy of it again. And I was so bummed out um, that it wasn't um, Xbox. You can't reverse do it, but I just realized I just hooked up one of my Xbox 360s again. There you go. So I can play it again. (laughs) Might have to do it. What about you, Uh, Dan? Oh, oh, you want me to answer the question now? Yeah, surprise. (laughs) Antonio, how dare you? Um, I guess for me, uh, this I might get into small territory here, but um, uh, my earliest memory as a kid was playing Super Mario World with my mom. Um, you know, they I remember her playing the game. She would actually call her sister, who lived on the other side of the country, Washington D.C. at the time, so they can swap uh, tips and tricks, and. I would remember my dad like coming home from work and going like, "You're still playing the game," and and crying whenever my mom died because I I remember always getting freaked out when Mario died. For some reason, the face always scared the hell out of me. Um, 
and you know, I, I say this every time, but she hates me saying this, but it's also how I learned my first curse words at like three years old. <laughs> um, I'm, yeah, I'm surprised like, so they glad we invested in that system. Yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised it was not my first word, actually. <laughs> but I guess for me, like just going back to that feeling and just like, I don't know, that's probably something I would just, I would love to relive no matter what, no matter how old I get. And I'm sorry I had to go over this multi disaster, but that was like the first thing that came to mind. Mm-hmm. No, I, 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 I told a story on that. What's that? I'm playing Super Mario Super 4 again now on, on the Switch, and I imported the N64, and I imported my Super Famicom too. So I only ever played Super Mario World in Japanese, and then I played um, Super Mario 64 in Japanese, and I didn't speak, you know, barely any Japanese. I certainly couldn't read it. And so now I'm playing it, and I'm like, wow, this stuff is really obvious. Like, they're telling you exactly what the mission is. They're, like, walking you through everything. When I'm playing, it was just like, you know, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay, and I just run around this, like, weird psychedelic world and not really know what I'm doing. And now I'm like, wow, it's kind of nice. These things are just like walking you through. Like you know exactly what you need to do and they're telling you all this stuff. Because like there's like another dimension of exploring these games when you're playing in a language you don't understand. You're like, what are these red switch boxes? Like, what is this? And like you never get any sort of contextual like data mm-hmm. on what it's supposed to do or how you're supposed to think about this stuff. You're just like kind of like banging around until like you accidentally trigger one time. You're like, whoa, ah, how did I do that? What is this? So yeah, it's been a really different experience. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go through this whole game now and like experience the whole thing in English. This is actually really cool. Yeah, I got to try that again. I got to try that again. I, I I get you, Daniel, on the whole, you know, the memories with your mom and all that stuff. I remember coming home on Christmas Eve and my uncle and my cousin had been up the street from our house, same house that you were at, Jake. And they came in the house and they set up an Atari 2600 in that back family room where we were playing Genesis and all that stuff. And we just came home and it was like, Santa Claus was at our house how did that get in here if he wasn't like i was convinced but i was just like oh my god we've got an atari and i remember um like i have a twin brother and he's never been a gamer he's just never been a gamer and i remember sitting there with the uh the shitty 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 ass version of pac-man that they came oh the, no for the atari 2600 it was more like it was more like a strobe light is what it was <laughs> but i could play that game until it just the screen would just go black and i would just play it and then the screen would just go black because i would play it for so long because it was i guess an easy pattern to figure out at some point but Mm -hmm. that was a a a great memory and tony you sneaky motherfucker answer answer your own question sure you remember yeah uh so for me it's actually kind of a toss-up because Super Mario 64 does have a really big, uh, a really big, like, I feel like that was the moment where I realized, yeah, I'm going to like video games a lot. <laughs> like, but I think for me, the one game that I would put above 64 um, is a game called Gauntlet Legends for the N64. I, I had never heard of the original Gauntlet. Like, Gauntlet Legends was my first intro to the Gauntlet series. And I remember... I don't remember, I think I rented it from Blockbuster once. And then I, I told my mom like afterwards, like I need to get this game. And I remember that I never had, I never had a memory card for the N64 until like the very end of its life. So, um, I never had only, one. Yeah. So you could only save characters in Gauntlet Legends with a memory card. So I knew like the first like world, like the back of my hand. And I remember the, being 
uh, I want to say in middle school and summer vacation happened and, and it was like this just goal in my head of like, you know what? No, I'm going to beat the entire game. So for like an entire week straight, I left my N64 on constantly and just played through the entire game. And I was so happy that, that I managed to do it. Your parents must have been pissed when they saw the electric bill. A little bit, but I mean, I won the game, so. Oh, yeah, that makes it all worth it. <laughs> Ooh, I you, saved you the realm, me so. This is on you, okay? This is on you. <laughs> we, we did that with a, a Atari 2600 slot machine. My brother and I were just racking up money big time before school one day. And we're just like, we're not letting this bank go. And so that was back when you thought the TV had to be on for the game to still work. Mm. And so we just left the TV on and the game system on, everything fired up. And like, my mom was just like, why would you leave it on all day? Like, that's when, you know, TV could burn down the house and the neighborhood and mm -hmm. probably cancer fumes everywhere in the house. And yeah, it was- My, uh, my mom but, was uh, looking at, uh, she, we were cleaning up something, I think we were moving somewhere and she found this whole thing of pictures and she's like, look at what you did. And I looked at this thing, it was like two rolls of, of developed pictures, all of the ending screens of Super Mario World in Japanese. And I finished it the first time, I was so excited. I literally was just like taking pictures of all the men, like all the credits and shit. I was just like, oh, oh, I did you wasted it. so much film. <laughs> That's so cool, though. and fucked up, and I'm like, wow. It's kind of beautiful in its own way, but it's also yeah. kind of a hot mess. So. Okay, uh, so we're winding down here. Unfortunately, we're about to hit our like time, but um, I, I gotta ask just for the sake of asking, uh, Jake. You know, um, Skulls of the Shogun and Galaxy just came out on the Switch last year. Is a uh, is Seventeen Bit Games working on anything new? Is there anything you want to like maybe tease? That's, we, I, got, we, we got I gotta know. We got some big stuff coming. Um, we are. We've been actually three years deep in the trenches on a, on a really big project. Um, it's been so big it's like by far the biggest thing we've ever done probably too big but it's it's coming together and uh you can expect to hear more probably this year um lord knows we need some good day. news this year so early next year yeah yeah tell me about it uh yeah there's some cool stuff and i think the project we're doing after that is going to be uh it's going to the next project is going to be very different than what people are going to expect from 17-bit games it's, it's pretty okay. different but then the game after that, I think, is going to go back to more kind of what, what we've been doing as our bread and butter. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a big deal, and I'd like to talk about it more now, but we're sort of waiting until we can kind of get our well, We'd love to have you on again to talk about it. So, um, so yeah, last thing, I, you know, the last thing I want to ask, ask is, like, you know, looking back on your time at Nintendo, what are some of, the, like, your biggest takeaways from it, that, that, like those lessons that you learned that will stick with you for the rest of your life? I've got one from Mr. Tim Walker himself. Oh. Like you, that was the first, so just, and Jake, I, you, I don't know if you felt this way too, but that was like my first like professional job. Like I felt like, like I wasn't just some guy that came in and like, mm, okay, uh, 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 stamp, stamp, push, stamp. It was like, you were really good at your job. Like you could be really good at your job. And so I, there was like some pride that went along with that. And, um, uh, God, I just totally lost my train of thought with that. Um, repeat the question one more time. Like, where are some of your, like, at, looking back at your time oh, at Nintendo? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so because it was such a, a like, a, a, a more of a professional job and not, like, just asking if they need more fries with that or whatever, I, you kind of, like, um, 
hopefully respected your leads and your managers, you know, and like one of the ones that I had the most respect for was Tim Walker. Like he was just a really, like, he was a really honest guy with you. Like he didn't sugarcoat stuff with you, but he also was not an asshole at all. He was just like real, like he would just go that you just can't handle things that way. Or the guy you that got, me for hanging up on that kid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You just got to do better. And I remember like when, remember when we started getting email where we could send emails when we first started, you know, there was like no emails and everything anything like that. But then we would start sending emails back and forth um, to like our leads and stuff like that. And I remember he pulled me aside one time and he goes, dude, you've got to reread what you write. He goes, do you realize it's not just me reading these? It's a lot of people. And he goes, it's you that look bad. And I have never to this day forgotten that. In fact, Tim Walker and I reconnected a number of years ago and we were hanging out for a couple of years and I told him, I pulled him aside one day and I go, dude, do you want to know something? When you pulled me aside, I felt really shitty because I was like, God, do I write that bad? Or, you know, like I'm just that lazy with my what spelling punctuation. I go, but you know what? I have never, ever forgotten that. And damn, if I don't reread everything to this day. And it also taught me to be very punctual. <laughs> yeah. Got to punch in. Got to punch in before. Uh, yeah, I had a really cute girlfriend. I would drop her off and we would make out. I'd be like, I have to go now. It's like at least 15 minutes for me to get in that door and hit that thing. Um, for me, I think it was just really enjoying. I, I enjoy talking to people and you know, even people I don't know, just like chatting with people and, and people that are excited about stuff. Um, I really learned like all the accents, like because you spent you're spending your whole time talking to people all over the country, and after a while they're like, "Are you calling from you know Georgia?" They're like, "Yeah, how did you know?" I'm like, "Ah, it's, you know, I'm so hint." Um, but yeah, I just I got a real rush from satisfying people and getting you know getting people stoked. I think it was like to me like you know leading them to the answer creatively and getting them to kind of like take it off and they're, they're so thankful they're just like so thankful they're like oozing thankfulness over the phone the true game is you know, yeah you can't help but feel like ah this is great you know I, i'm happy they're happy you know they're totally soaked and they're like running off and loving the product and stuff like that and uh yeah i think when i was before i was working there i i finished the first zelda in like was that 87 that was like two years before i got the job there and I called the game counselors to tell them that I beat it because I was so excited. <clears throat> and the guy was totally like, you know, obviously older and, and knew what was going on. He's like, oh, congratulations, man. You're like, you're like number 13 to finish the game in the world. I'm like, really? <laughs> oh my God. You know, and I was like, just like ecstatic. I'm going to school and telling everybody, you know, and, and it looks like it's like that power. Like these people have that sort of ability to just sort of like bring such happiness and such uh you know, I don't know, clarity. Like people would like, I, I remember somebody, I mean, Sean, I'm sure you get a million scores like this too, but like, Someone would call and their mom would be like, okay, straight up, Tommy's got five minutes with you, that's it. Because it was like long distance, you know, but before then, like you had to pay a full long distance fee. She's like, okay, sir, can you please just cut to the chase and, and get my little boy? He's stuck in this thing, he got his name for Christmas. Can you please help me out? I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay, all right, let's go, let's do this, you know, game face, let's go, let's go, let's go. It was awesome, it was super fun. Oh, man. It was, it was more demanding. You know, if I have 30 seconds, I got to tell you something. Sure, funny. sure, sure, so sure. Jake was saying, like, you just learn all the accents. And you have to decipher so many different dialects and the way they talk and their drawls and, you know, listening noises they make. Why they, who knows what's going on? But there used to be a place down in Seattle and I can't remember what it was called. It was an, it was like a, 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 it was a bar that served food and drinks, but it was um, 
full of adult games. And it was like a like puzzle game, things you have to figure out as a group, you know, like you go there mm -hmm. with so one of the one of the things was like um it was a male shipping center. And so they had all these clocks on the wall for different locations. And someone would say like, you, you would pick, a phone would ring. There's all these phones and it would ring and you'd pick it up and it would just be like this. And you're like, oh. And the idea was you got to line up all the things for each of the phone calls and get it right. And my girlfriend went, her mom went, her mom's boyfriend went. And I'm like, what? what is like, is this hard? And they go, you can't understand <laughs> anything they say. And I just picked those up and I was like, boop, 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 dun, 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 dun. They're like, how did you do that? And I'm like, do you have any idea how many people I talk to every week and every one is different? So that was like, I was just like, ah, yeah, that was easy. <laughs> but yeah, those phone calls, it was seriously like, just like, Hey, do you have a Southern accent? Okay, now drink this fifth of uh, whiskey and we're gonna have you do some phone recordings for us. When I was in Annex too, we had a lot We had a lot less call volume there. And so I would, you know, people would call like a lot of like retired people and stuff like that. They just call and just want to chat. Because I had nothing else going on. I was just like, okay, I'll talk to you for a while. One guy was playing through Dragon Warrior without using any weapons. He was like so high up that he could just punch. And just like he was beating the whole game like this. This is like this is what he's doing. He's like, this is the one game I got. He's like, I love it. I just play it every day. I just kinda hang out. And I'm just like, you know, getting to know these people and talking to them was just crazy. It was uh, such a surreal thing to kind of bond over. I don't know. It's a lot of fun. But yeah, it was a great job. I'm, I'm well, sad that, that that profession no longer exists. It's just a weird yeah. thing. Well, it, it exists, but now it's like literally independent. And if you talk to any streamer, it's basically what we do. So um, so Jake, where can our listeners find more of your work? Uh, you know, please, this is, this is the plug se segment of the podcast. So please plug anything you want to plug. Uh, I'm probably most active on Twitter, uh, J-K-O-O-Z-A, Jakuza, and 17-bit uh, also, at 17 underscore B-I-T. Um, we've been pretty quiet because we've been kind of heads down in the trenches for a while. But like I said, we're about to kind of go crazy and, and kind of really start talking about everything. And, being a lot more active on that account so by all means but yeah if you like you know life in japan uh, i take a lot of pictures and i go a lot of weird places and i love just posting this stuff so um come check it out and sean i have really nothing to plug other than uh use smart sheet it's an awesome product <laughs> <laughs> you can also find them as well be sure to I, check I out the high scores uh, yeah that's what i should be plugging yes please check out high score um thanks for everyone that's watching it and uh yeah, it was a it was a lot of fun to do, but Dude, you can't um, you can't believe how big the smile was on my face when I saw you pop up and I think I was like, what? I just thought for sure you would have probably seen it, but people. if you're if you're on Twitter more than Facebook, I, I'm never on Twitter, so you probably just missed it. But uh, yeah, I've been getting these random people just out of the blue, like three in the morning, and I'll just get a message, you know, dude, what? You're I on my TV. Smile like this big. I was like, I can't believe this is so perfect. Like the whole story. Of the whole into Nintendo, I was like, and Sean is hosting it. Like, what are the fucking odds? This is crazy. Well, this is literally been... was like oh, a full circle moment for me because after meeting someone that I, still to this day was never more into games than this guy, Jake. I got to go down to his game studio a, a number of summers ago, probably six, seven years ago, and I got to product test his second game before it was out. <laughs> I remember just 
bombs, 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 bombs. And you were like, dude, look how he's using these bombs. We need to change this. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just mashing buttons right now because I mean, just had like three or four beers at, at uh, Evans or Earl's. Uh, yeah, yeah, with, with uh, Scott Evanson. Well, I haven't yep. seen him in a while either. That's great. Yeah, we had a great well, guys, this has been a fantastic time. Honestly, we could have done this for another two hours for all we know. But um, no, I'm glad I was able to like reunite you guys. I don't know if this is like, the first time you guys have talked in a long time. I don't know. Um, well, but, yeah, face-to-face, yeah. Face, like, well, virus face-to-face. Yeah. <laughs> but again, thank you guys so much for your time. And we hope to hear from you guys very soon again in the future. Yeah. Thanks, Daniel. Okay, thanks for having us. Thanks, yeah, Antonio. Great. We had a really good thank time. You. Good to talk to all you guys. Jake, good to see you again, buddy. You too, I'll catch man. up we'll with you. All right. Goodbye, everyone. Once again, we cannot thank Jake and Sean enough for taking the time to talk to us. It was one hell of a conversation. It could have gone much longer. We'd love to have them on again. Mm, you, could, you could feel near the end there that it's like, oh, God, it's been an hour. We actually have to wrap this up. Oh, God. Yeah, I don't pay for Zoom up Plus, so I only have a limited time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But um, yeah, so please check out their stuff. Uh, as you guys heard, expect some stuff from 17-bit games. You heard it here first. This is the adverse scoop. <laughs> yeah, we got the scoop. We got a scoop. Um, so obviously, not that they're gone. Uh, why don't we go ahead and plug our own social? So where can people hear from you, Antonio? You guys can find me streaming at Twitch at twitch.tv slash AKL Trifecta. You can also find my social medias at Facebook and Twitter. Uh, also, AKL Trifecta. And you can find myself on Twitch at twitch.tv slash theperpetualplayer1 and on Twitter at perpetualplayer. And if you want to talk to us also, you can hit up the official show Twitter at ngpluspodcast or email us ngpluspodcast at gmail.com. Guys, we cannot thank you enough for listening to us, um, for having us be a part of your commutes. If you like what you do, please leave us a rating, a comment, subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music. We're now on that. Yeah. Um, and if you really, really super duper really like us, please share us with your friends. It will really help us grow. Um, and who knows what comes out of that. So once again, guys, stay safe, stay indoors, wear your masks, but always, always continue to do amazing things. And we'll see you on the next episode of New Game Plus. Bye, everybody.